Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman here. Hey, thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for providing our bumper music. And we're going to kick off the program a little bit differently today. Thanks to our anchor sponsor, Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's Central Iowa's premier good food store. Gateway brings together the world's finest products and Iowa-grown foods and passionate personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. All right, Charles, you probably recognize that music. Yeah, no, I, I actually just watched that movie a couple Wait, of, but you watched Jaws? I love Jaws. You told me you were terrified I of am, sharks. I am, terrified of sharks. So but... why do you watch the movie about something you're terrified? <laughs> well, it just convinces me to stay away from the ocean. Okay. So, Actually, but how, how do you, the opening of Jaws, the first minute of Jaws, it's all in the dark. You never see the shark at that point. Right. That was enough to scare me to say I'll stick into lakes. I, I, I was I was I was concerned that I was going to trigger you right now. <laughs> that, 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 that I was going to have to be canceled because I triggered had the well, audacity to trigger you. Just, just make sure that when you you put out your uh, your blog that you have a trigger warning. <laughs> about about Jaws music. About Jaws music being because used. you're not the only one terrified of sharks. I'm sure I'm not. All right. I don't know how anybody in Iowa would be ever ever terrified of a shark. Well, it's land shark. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we move on to a conversation about uh, about banned books, I want to uh, take a look at um, um, information out of uh, North Dakota. A ruling by the North Dakota Public Service Commission, that's the equivalent of the the Public Utilities Commission in South Dakota, the Iowa Utilities Board. It's called something different in every state. But the, uh, so the Public Service Commission, they rejected a permit from Summit Carbon Solutions to build the CO2 pipeline across North Dakota. This is huge, and it has ramifications for Iowa, South Dakota, Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois. This is a huge development. Uh, the um, Public Utilities Commission basically said, uh, that Summit, the company wanting to build the pipeline, failed to meet its burden of proof to show that the project will provide will produce minimal adverse effects on the environment and upon the welfare of the citizens of North Dakota. Meaning, we're not convinced this could be a big problem. So if it's a big problem for North Dakota and North Dakota's not going to build it, maybe it won't happen in Iowa either. We'll see. All right, so a pipeline states, in North Dakota. States' rights in action. States' rights in action, right. Yeah, when you when you want to kick everything back to the states to avoid having to take a position on it, this yeah. is what sometimes happens. Yeah, well, and in this is in this case, it's good. That's right. And then we have banned books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there are thirty we, there are thirty seven states that have some degree of book banning going on. Well, and, and let's guess which thirty seven those are. Well, the of the show of the states that broadcast this program, only Iowa and Missouri. The other uh, five of you are, are in the clear so far. Right. But yeah, Iowa and Missouri have some degree of book banning going on. And you've been tracking one particular suburb of Des Moines where the whole situation has gotten pretty ridiculous. Well, what happened was um, a couple days before school started for my son, because he goes to year-round school. It's not because he had to go during the summer because he didn't graduate second grade. Um, no, that, but... that, that would have been my, my reason <laughs> growing up. 
So um, all of a sudden we got an email saying that a list of, at, at that time it was about 75 books that were not going to be available in the libraries or classrooms for K through 12. Um, and then there was a much larger list of over 400 books um, that would not be available uh, K through 8. Now the books in the first longer list were um, almost exclusively chosen for um, the fact that they were related to LGBTQ plus, you know, subjects, Content. or okay. they simply had characters in them, like the like the male penguins who hatch out the egg. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 I, I actually was going to go through part of that list, but you know, it, it was it was kind of like the list. Remember when they had the pornography commission under Ed Meese, the Attorney General? And they put out a no, list of, of these ahead. magazines. Yeah. And probably, you know, as, as somebody commented, um, among those publications, probably the only people who had even looked at them in the last 10 years were members of the, uh, <laughs> of the Mies Commission. No, I mean, because a lot of these books are really niche books. Who knows? It? And, and they said they weren't even, they weren't even, they didn't even know if they were in their libraries. And the reason that they were, this list was put out was because of SF, uh, you know, uh, Senate File 496, the law that basically was trying to define the standards for books that could be in classrooms in public schools. Although, of course, interestingly, it didn't define those standards for non-public schools. Which is where a bunch of these uh, public school students are now heading because of the $7,000 grant they're getting from the state to do so. Right. But, you know, it is an interesting question as to, now, I understand that, obviously, in a lot of the religious-based schools, they're not going to see these books anyway. But the more interesting list was actually the one that still remains, which because the, the LGBTQ list disappeared. Uh, and then we because we got an update just two days ago that that list is gone. And this list, by the way, was not generated by the school board. I was going to say, where did the list come that's from? That's it. That's yeah, the other yeah, interesting yeah. thing. You would it, assume it came from the state since the state passed the law. It did not. The state doesn't. The state has not even done anything to clarify what books would meet these standards. So they're just going to wait till somebody does something, and then there's a complaint from a, a crazy parent, uh, and then uh, and then there'll be uh, some some action against that parent, that teacher, that school. Not the That's parent, correct. The teacher of the school. No. Correct, okay. and and so the list was actually generated by a law firm here in Des Moines, <laughs> who is the provides you know legal counsel to a, a, the majority of the school districts in the state, um, and you know the list they generated in fairness to them because I went to their website and there's nothing on that website that suggests to me that they're like a surreptitious branch of the you know, Moms for Liberty, but you know they are looking at risk management, and so they're the the, the the list was basically generated with an excess of caution by non-educators. So the list that remains, you know, includes some really interesting books. Somehow, 1984 was on the original list, and it's gone. So I now, thought, I, I think I, I thought the uh, religious right would love reading 1984 because it reminds you of the evils of communism. Right, but it also it it it, it also explains to you, you know, how language can be manipulated. And how because you, they don't do that? Well, no, that's my point. <laughs> it, 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 it calls into question Big Brother. I mean, and, but, you know, but how, does that, how does that fit the criteria of, uh, of being sexual or LGBTQ? It, well, of course, or? that's the whole point, which is if you look at the list, it's, it, these books supposedly are not, that the sexuality in them has no educational value. As opposed, of course, to the sexuality in the Old Testament, which is okay because <laughs> rape, incest, oh, you gosh. know, uh, polygamy, all other, poly, polygamy, yeah, all the other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, lot, lots in there twice, right? First, his daughters. Well, first he offers his daughters 
to avoid the sodomization of the right. angelic visitors, right? Yeah. And then they get him drunk in the cave later on right. and sleep with him. Right. You and know, then he has... They, was it unto the I come or something, basically? Maybe. I come, but, come, yeah. But uh, he has a very salty wife, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, uh, she's not there anymore. It's just him and the daughters by that point. Okay. So anyway, um, that's correct. So religious books, which obviously have sexual content. And actually, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, one of the objections people have against putting the Ten Commandments in the classroom is, do I really want to have to explain what adultery is to my kindergartner? Mm. Right? Because that was going to be in the classroom. We'll talk about that later. So anyway, most of these books were chosen not so much because I think of their sexual content, but because they're inconvenient in, in terms of their other choices. Now, some of them, of course, were ridiculous. So how is 1984? Anyway, James Joyce, Ulysses is on this list. You can't even read Ulysses before you get to like graduate school. You know, that's like a whole semester at Stanford to figure well, out what Ulysses is about. Yeah, I get through a, par- a paragraph <laughs> or two, and then I say I'm going to move on to something right. else. And but he's Irish. I love the guy. Half of the, like, I, I went through this list, and at least the third to a half of these books are already movies. Okay? Right. So I don't know how that's going to keep people. And, any, and if, if, you know, if you have a teenager, they're going to get a hold of this list, and they're going to say, this is the stuff i got to read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the, Margaret Atwood's book, Handmaid's Tale. We all know why that's on the, on the list, of course, because it's about the, theocracy, basically, which is what the United States is becoming. But, but how, how, so how do the— how did the lawyers come up with it? How did the law firm come up with this list? Interestingly, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some people, there's some authors, Ellen Hopkins, I don't even know who this person is. I has like six books on this list. Huxley's, you know, Brave New World. I mean, I read that like in middle school right. back in the 60s. Kite Runner, which is about, you know, to Afghani refugees. You know, actually the time in Afghanistan that went from Taliban to some order of democracy, you know. Um... I mean, it's just separate some of these piece. Are class- John, some I mean, of these are classics. John Knowles, a separate piece, because the question of whether it's a homoerotic, uh, you know, it's a prep school in New England. Of course it was homoerotic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, this woman, Sarah Moss, there's eight books here. She's like a fantasy writer. Her first book was about Cinderella being an assassin and that she was actually sent to kill the prince. You know, so <laughs> I have no idea why she's got eight books I, I guess I, I, I'd like to know why they chose these books. I, you know... But again, this wasn't the state. It wasn't the state, and it wasn't, it wasn't the people who wrote the law that, that chose these books. Is no. the law firm that's trying to interpret it? It's trying to interpret because it. the State Department of Education won't interpret the law. That's correct. That's crazy. That's well, crazy. Because again, it makes you wonder, and, and you know, this is my real question. And and then it, you know, we can talk about it. You want to talk about the Des Moines thing, which is they yeah. dealt with completely differently. Yeah. Is is the purpose here just to create chaos? This is just work. This is just chaos to further discredit public schools, you know, because there isn't any educational value here. Yeah, and to create more government. This is there's so much more government involved, whether it's your school board. Uh, I mean, lawyers apparently lawyers are making lawyers are making some money on this. Well, do you know that they did a study? They did a study about the you know books in 37 states. It's probably the same 37 that yeah. you know you were yeah, talking yeah. about, and they found out that. Of the thousand books that were brought up, the most recent ones, they were brought to the attention of school boards by a total of 11 people. So that's the other question here. It's absolutely clear that the people who are complaining about these books are a minority. Mm-hmm. And a minority tiny, in this case minority. could be dealt with by, okay, your children don't have to read these books. We will give your children an alternative within the curriculum that will fit. Those but instead... 
the solution is to tell everybody else, yeah. you don't get, your kids don't get to read these books. Yeah. So I like the way the Des Moines district is dealing with this. Again, De- Des Moines is the largest school district in the state of Iowa, the most racially diverse, the most uh, diverse income-wise as well. And uh, the former school board uh, superintendent was a friend of mine. He left. He got, well, various reasons. <laughs> yep. But, but the, the new guy is a fellow named Ian Roberts. He's um, the son of uh, Guyanese uh, immigrants, Guyana. You know, yeah, down in South it, America? Yeah, make it clear. Guiana, like Jim Jones. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. But not everybody from Guiana is crazy. No. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, so but no, Jim Jones wasn't from Guiana. Well, no, but he, he, had, he, had, he had his commune He was from there. Indiana. Was he really? Yeah. Indiana Jones. <laughs> a different one, okay. Different so anyway, uh, uh, Ian Roberts uh, has worked in education for 20 years. He was a teacher, also a school administrator in um, all sorts of um, horrible places like Baltimore, Washington, D.C., South Bronx, St. Louis. I mean, I, I'm, I'm channeling Donald Trump here who thinks those kind of places are asshole towns. Anyway. I, I would say, I mean, having lived in St. Louis and, and I've spent a lot of time in Baltimore, yeah, I mean, they have the challenges of a city, particularly segregated cities. Why would we not want a guy like that in Des Moines? That's great. And, yeah, and, I, and I love his attitude. He says, um, and this is from uh, an, an Axios story, Robert says the district, the Des Moines Public School District, will follow the new law and work within the parameters of, quote, what is legal and what is moral. I like that. Now, I really love this even more. Robert says that while he expects teachers to follow the law, if a teacher violates it and follows a student's wishes, they will have his full support. <laughs> he also goes on to say that his goal is to avoid violating the law, and he points out that there are still many books available to students that address equity and diversity. He doesn't believe removing, quote, one or two will compromise student learning. Yeah, Ed, we're so, on the radio. Putting the air quotes up doesn't really help. Yeah, well, that's why I said quote. Yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> I did it for your benefit, Charles. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. So anyway, I mean, is he really going to only remove one or two books? But he's, he's, he's expressing this strong support for, uh, for teachers. Mm. I mean, I like where this guy's going. I, I foresee a clash between him and Governor Reynolds, much as we had a huge clash between Governor Reynolds and our former superintendent in Des Moines. But, you know, I mean, states around the country, if you don't have a book ban in place, do everything you can to stop it. And whether you're a Democrat, or Republican, independent, this stuff makes no sense. None at all. Because it, it makes even less sense in an era of streaming, of Internet access on your phone. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to keep this material out of the hands of younger people. And, of course, as usual in the United States, the only thing they seem to care about is sex. Right. Well, the, depiction, the depiction of violence, which is rife hmm. in, in American media, is perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. So, um, and of course, it's it's just this is nonsense. These this is the 1950s all over again. And you know what you got after the 1950s when you tried to do this and you tan people down learning about these things, you get the 1960s. And when you want a time that looked most like a civil war in the United States, except for this, the real civil except war. Except for January 6th, 22 years ago, right? Well, even more, but that was every day in the 1960s. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Charles, we've got to take a short break. Uh, again, Ed Fallon and Charles Goldberg with you here, folks, on the Fallon Forum. Short break. Back in a minute, we'll be talking about the presidential candidate challengers to what are basically two incumbents and also how third parties might play into this. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Market and Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, 
artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the uh, Fallon format. Fallon with you here with Charles Goldman. Uh, hey, thanks to the uh, Catholic Peace Ministry, an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese, uh, CPM focuses on nuclear disarmament, the need for diplomacy in Ukraine, and ending the permanent war economy. Learn more at CatholicPeaceMinistry.org. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis. Owner Mark Clipsham asked that you use the most energy efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. All right, Charles, I feel a little bit bad for uh, how I treated you the first segment with that, uh, that uh, theme music from Jaws, so I'm, I'm going I'm to make up for it here. Well, they're gonna be—they'll be banning that in Florida pretty soon because it, it doesn't show traditional gender roles because Daddy is last. No, no. Then it goes on to Mommy, and then then Grandpa Shark, and then Grandma Shark. Yeah. No, no. I think I think Ron DeSantis would be very comfortable with this. Well, he'll have plenty of time to be comfortable with it because he's certainly not going to be running for president. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, that's where we're going to go there with this conversation. Uh, hey, but first, before we do, I want to make a, a quick announcement. Um, for those in our audience who are in Des Moines. Uh, August 8th, this coming Tuesday, um, there'll be a Hiroshima Nagasaki commemoration at 7 o'clock p.m. at the uh, Japanese Bell at the Iowa State Capitol. And, uh, you know, all around the country, there are people who are still remembering what happened back in 1945 in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, probably remembering it more now because of the Oppenheimer movie, which we'll be discussing next week. But the... Um, you know, uh, there's the, there's a commemoration in, in Washington D.C. Uh, this morning, actually, on, on the sixth. Uh, I think there's also one on the ninth. Uh, so think about that. It's important to remember uh, and to think about where our policy needs to go with regards to nuclear weapons and militarism. But switching gears, uh, Charles, um, the uh, the New York Times it released its first poll 
of the uh, presidential election. And I don't want to talk about the primary, but uh, this was about the general, and it showed President Biden and Donald Trump in a dead heat, 43% for each of them. I know that doesn't add up to 100%, but there's undecided, there's people going with third-party candidates, but they're tied 43-43. And, you know, last year I was saying, and I, you, were, you weren't necessarily disagreeing with me, but a lot of people were disagreeing with me when I said that, um, that the, uh, the indictments are going to help Trump. They have. Uh, that um, he'll win the primary, which I'm almost certain he's going to win the primary, and that he could very, very well beat Joe Biden. I'm, I'm still, and I, I hope I'm wrong on number three. I'm, one has come to fruition. Two is probably going to happen. Three, I don't know. I, according to the New York Times, it's up in the air. Well, you know, one thing is it's still well over a year from November 2024. Sure. Many things can happen. Um the other thing is, you know, unfortunately, in the United States, if, if you look at, look at commercials, commercials tend not to be particularly clever. What, what they do over and over when is— I ran, When I ran for governor, they were very clever. Well, channels. but I mean, look at most commercials. They basically, other than if, you know, if they're for medical, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals, it's 35 seconds of the contraindications. But, you know, um, <laughs> it's— it's just repetition of the name over and over and over again on the screen talking about it. and and to some degree that's what's happening here all they talk about on TV now is Trump mm -hmm. I mean and it doesn't totally surprise me that just that constant you know bombardment of his name because of the indictments well was well, driving some of okay this. well in that case why wasn't Hillary Clinton elected president in 2016 for the same reason because they gave her no airtime oh no I don't think so I mean and, and again no, the name, that, the name Clinton. At, no, absolutely uh, yes but it, was it the name Clinton yeah if but, it's name recognition then Clinton whether but, it's Hillary or Bill but what Hillary happened during the election was that we were we were subjected to every speech every utterance of this, the to be 45th president. Yeah. No matter how inane, no matter how repetitive. And we still are. Right. Yeah. And and so to some degree, I, I think that's a lot of it. I think yeah. that we're still in the same situation, though. I think it's overrated. The economy, the economy, every, you know, Biden is getting poor ratings on the economy. And the question is, what is it about the Trump economy that everybody th thinks was so much better, you know. And if you look around, look around Des Moines. Every street is being torn up to do work that should have been done, in some cases, decades ago. Right? Why is it being done? Because the federal government is paying huge amounts of money. Well, and because from we got Democrat. Well, we got to the point where the sewer systems are no longer working uh, <laughs> to accommodate the increased <laughs> rainfall. Or because I, you've got. I understand why they are, needed to be upgraded, but they weren't being done. We were, we no, were given infrastructure week every week of the Trump administration, and there never was an infrastructure bill. So people, I think, are just becoming more aware. And okay. they're still so anyway, talking about inflation that doesn't even exist. Right. So back to the primary. You've got, you've yeah. got two basic, basically two incumbents. And one of them, Joe Biden, who is, is the president, has two opponents. Two primary, primary opponents, two main opponents, Marianne Williamson, RFK Jr. And on the Republican side, former President Donald Trump. I mean, this is, not, this is unprecedented as well. A former president just recently, I mean, he served, you know, four years ago. He's got about, what, 12 opponents? Mm -hmm. I mean, so how do you, you know, I, I, I don't see 
anybody beating the two, quote, incumbents. But uh, the fact that there are so many people running, I mean, to have, to have a sitting Democratic president have two primary opponents, that itself is unusual. Yes. It's probably less unusual that Trump has drawn so many opponents because he's so controversial, even within his own party. Yeah, but I mean, I think that here, the people at this point who are being most affected by the relentless bombardment of Trump, Trump, Trump is, are his opponents sure. and their unwillingness to step out. Well, Chris Christie has stepped out. Yeah, he's the and only one from most. Well, I got, mean, Ace Hutchinson got, got, got some flogged degree. for it, essentially, yeah. yes. You know, but among those that are toward the top, they're unwilling to step out and, you know, fully criticize. You mean DeSantis, for example? Right. I mean, DeSantis, his campaign is so inept that he's deserving everything he's got, you know, <laughs> which is he, he's running on his culture war. But that's not unique because the people who support Trump will assume he's going to do the same thing and do it better. Yeah. You know, so what is what is DeSantis offering? It's just totally inept. A more a more aggressive culture war. And we, we've seen what he's done in Florida, and he's holding that out as what he plans to do to the whole country. Well, no, I understand that. But but it, that's not particularly attractive to the swing Republican Doesn't vote. matter. He's not going for the swing Republican vote. He's going no, for the crazies. But he can't. He knows that there's people who will never peel off from Trump because their 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 right. attachment to Trump is not rational. It's not no. about policy anymore. It is absolutely, unfortunately, going back to Jim Jones. It is the same. I would say it is the, that I, suicidal. I, I, well, I think I think that you can say the same thing about uh, about uh, Joe Biden. I, I don't think the attachment to Joe Biden was about policy. It was personal. No, the attachment to Joe Biden was that he was sane and that he wouldn't no, spend. No, I mean, four among, years. among Democratic primary voters. I'm not sure what you. What I you think mean. I think those who got to see Joe Biden up close, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, yeah. said, "Nah, we're, there's not that much there." But in South Carolina, there was a personal connection, Senator or Clyburn in particular, right? And uh, that was enough to give Biden the the edge in South Carolina and move him on onward to the uh, to the nomination. Well, but this, I don't see how you can compare the cultish following of Trump. To no, I'm not comparing them, but, but I'm saying that it, that it, that it was uh, it was not based on policy. Neither, neither support for neither candidate is based on policy. Well, but no. In, in, in 2020, it, it ultimately wasn't about policy. It was that everybody was so sick of Donald Trump mm-hmm. and his, his inept handling of COVID and his, you know, off-displayed abject stupidity about even the basics of how infectious disease works, among other things, is what drove people away from him. Okay. So on the, uh, would you agree with me that on the Republican side, despite— It's Trump. It's, it's Trump. Trump. Yeah, okay. It's Trump even if he's in jail. Right. And I don't see any of the—and yeah, maybe especially if he's in jail, but I don't see any of the Republican challengers to Trump running a third-party candidacy. On the Democratic side, it's possible that RFK Jr. might do that if he doesn't win. Um, okay, Mar- well, he's not going to win. Right. Well, Mary, I, I mean, Marion Williamson, um, you know— Again, who gets pegged falsely by the mainstream media, who basically don't like her progressive politics. I mean, she's, um, you know, she's she's polling incredibly well among uh, younger voters. Probably not enough to beat Biden, but uh, you get Biden refusing to run in New Hampshire and Iowa, which may indeed vote <clears throat> before South Carolina, which has been dubbed the the first primary state for Democrats. So, I mean, what if Marianne Williamson and or, and or RFK do well in those states? I mean, how, how is it going to impact? I mean, it's probably not going to derail the Biden campaign. 
But uh, what does it do in terms of eventually leading to discussions about uh, whether there should be a challenger beyond that? I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think you know, Marion Williamson has been there before. And I think that she, and in some sense, Cornell West, too. You know, who, Who's running as an independent. He, well, no, he was originally running as an independent. Now he's running as a Green. Oh, Green, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He switched. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of similarities because Cornell West, you know, is a, he's a professor of Christianity, of religious philosophy and Christianity at a theological seminary mm-hmm. in, in New York City. Um, and he's talking a lot about spiritual things from a different point of view than mm-hmm. Marion Williamson. You know, and, and I, I think in both their cases, they want to get that point across, that there's a different spirituality other than Christian nationalism you know, in, in terms of what Cornell West is, is talking about. Right, and Marianne Anderson in a different way completely. Yeah, and I think Marianne Williamson is doing it in the right way. I, I don't think Cornell West is going to accomplish much by running as a Green Party. I mean, I, I, know, I, I fully accept the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the need to have a system that makes other parties more, uh, more viable. We don't have that. And that's one reason I like the forward party is they're pushing the whole notion, the whole um, need for uh, uh, ranked choice voting and other, other election reforms that would make third parties viable. But, um, you know, Cornell West, uh, the way I see it, he's just going to uh, siphon votes away from Biden. Uh, and that's, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I think he's, he, maybe he'll raise some issues, but I don't see how that goes any further. My problem is the Green Party has never done the hard work of organizing at the grassroots level. They've never built a party from the bottom up. They like to come in every once in a while, like the libertarians do, and just run candidates for higher office without having any foundation underneath them. Those parties are going absolutely nowhere. Right. Well, I think, um, you know, and then there's no labels, which is also... That's a facade. Well, no labels is, is, is it, it shorthand for no platform. I mean, well, you know, they put out a platform that is nothing but milk well, toast and pavlov. Yeah, it's it's a shorthand. It's 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 a that that is a very very. I mean, at least Cornell West isn't trying to derail Biden's candidacy. No labels is. Yes. <laughs> no labels is. Although, well, you know, no labels is making the claim that they're going to assess the environment and then decide whether they're going to um, nominate a candidate, even though they're not going to finance that candidate. Because this is sort of their their dodge. Yeah, you know it's that, not a very clever dodge. You yeah. know, when, when two of your most prominent Democrats behind no labels are Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, right? You know, it's not hard to see where that party's really going. Well, you know, but on the other hand, they have no other labels? people. Who, Come on. Well, but no, I understand that. And but they've, you know, John Huntsman's involved with them too. Who who is you know he was governor, of, Republican governor of Utah, has sure. worked in Dem, you know Democratic administrations multiple times. Um, uh, what's his name? Who was the uh, Maryland governor? The Hogan. Republican. Hogan. Yeah. Hogan. Larry Hogan's involved with them. I mean, there were some good people involved, but I don't understand their point, yeah. you know, other than, as you say, to be a spoiler. So what about RFK? I mean, is there a chance that he would lose and then run as an independent? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, because <laughs> he's, he's, he is, if there's anybody who's as narcissistic I'm sorry, there's no human as narcissistic as Trump, but <laughs> RFK comes pretty close. I mean, he he has a despicable personal background. Well, he's got a great record on the environment. That was a long time ago. 
Not that long ago. It's long time ago because now he's lost in the QAnon vax anti-vax group and by the way all you anti-vaxxers out there he took the covid vaccine <laughs> as did his family well you know you can be anti-vax without being pro QAnon. he's lost in the conspiracies he's way beyond he may not believe in all of the QAnon, but he's but he denies that i know he denies that but then you, when you hear what he talks about he's 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 in a conspiratorial um mentality right now and and or is, he, is, I mean, he uh, makes money off of it, just like everybody else does off the anti Well, he is worth $60 million according to a Google search. And that's not from his environmental work. <laughs> <laughs> there is nobody who <laughs> is, is, is actively involved in environmental work to any extent. And the other thing is, is worth $60 look, million. let's be honest, Ed. The people who are funding him are Republicans. And at least with some of these other groups, it's a mix. But RFK, is, is, he's, he's a Trojan horse. That's exactly, and they, how so? What, what kind of what, what's inside this Trojan horse? What well, is they he, just want what him he really want They want him to be well, a third party candidate with the Kennedy name. It doesn't matter. So because what he's it, actually because saying they, because they don't think he'd actually win. No, he, well, he could win. actually. I mean, he could. No, what, what if he actually won? He's not going to win. I mean, Trump. I mean, Trump has a very very loyal base, and it's a very small base. You know, Biden has. Uh, he's, he's he's lost a lot of traction within the Democratic Party. <laughs> And certainly among independents, he's, Trump's he's not base that popular. Is, is about a third of the Republican Party. That's not a small base. No. You know, no, he's not going to win. But he, he would. I think he would run. He would run a third party hmm. candidacy because that's that's what his funders want. So you're going to make that prediction? I mean, he, you know, the, it, <laughs> I don't know that he will. I think he's done some things that probably may not make it worthwhile for his funders anymore. I mean, I think the, the I understand what he was trying to say when he was trying to talk about this study, but it just shows you how vacuous mm. he's become, mm. you know, with his statement about the, the, you know, the Jews and the Chinese. There were millions of Chinese who died from the COVID. I mean, what, I mean, what he was even talking about. Hey, Charles, we got to take a short break. Uh, folks, Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman with you here. When we come back, we're going to talk, I kind of take off what we, pick up what we left off after the first segment. We're going to talk about what the, Radical rights agenda might be now that they've uh, successfully banned a bunch of books in 37 states. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Years ago, Chef George Fromaro envisioned a new market to house all his favorite foods under one roof in the heart of Des Moines. From that vision, Gateway Market was born. Over the years, Gateway has become Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate personalized service. Gateway's welcoming environment in downtown's Sherman Hill neighborhood encourages discovery and honors the simple pleasures of the table. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, experience the good food difference at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Catholic Peace Ministry was founded in 1981 to work for peace and justice. It's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese and is guided by an ecumenical board representing many faith traditions. CPM focuses on the urgency of nuclear disarmament and the need for diplomacy in Ukraine. CPM also provides an educational forum about the permanent war economy, which must be challenged if we are to achieve lasting peace and justice. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org.
Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, including Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. Land shark. Oh, Walter. <laughs> Land shark. <laughs> Charles, I don't know. I'm just, I, I am real concerned. I about never was a Chevy Chase fan, but Land shark was a great bitch. I'm just very concerned about your shark phobia. I think, I think it's something you need counseling for. I mean, you live in Iowa, Charles. Come on. Can't you be afraid of something else like... Uh, uh, well, and my daughter became a marine biologist. So you did, know, and so dives my son. like reefs all over so the world. So did my son. <laughs> yeah. But you don't go with her. I've actually done some scuba... Not scuba, just snorkeling, like in the Red Sea. And Actually, I, I snorkeled in the Red Sea once, and a week later... Um, Someone got mauled by a shark. <laughs> and, we, and here we are laughing about it. Anyway, <laughs> well, there are more things to be concerned about than sharks if you live in Iowa. Uh, and one of them is our governor. Uh, <laughs> oh, Governor Kim Reynolds, uh, the architect of the banned book legislation of, uh, of school vouchers, which means um, diverting a whole bunch of money from uh, public education to private schools. Um, What's next, Charles? I mean, the, the legislative supermajority here just is going to keep rolling, or have they, well, they, they've done their work? Absolutely, because all you have to do is, you know, since basically, you know, through ALEC, you know, the American Legislative Council. Exchange Council. Exchange, right, exchange right. Council. They just pass the same laws around from state to state. So if it, you know, coming to your red state, anything that's going on in Texas for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah, in this, in this session down in Texas, they— um, considered three bills related to uh, religious freedom and its interface with education. Um, one was a bill to put the Ten Commandments, to display the Ten Commandments in every classroom in Texas. Um, now you said considered. It didn't pass? It did not pass. It passed the uh, Senate, but not the House. So it passed one chamber? It did pass one chamber. It's displaying the Ten Commandments in a school. Right. Every, now, school, every school classroom. Let's be clear that there's a Supreme Court decision that absolutely addresses the unconstitutionality of that act. Yeah. Now, I mean, what happened to separation of church and state? Well, it, it you know, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It's really interesting. I was reading an article about, um, you know, the Lutheran church in, in the past were very adamant about separation of church and state. Right. You know, and... Um, as, as they morphed into a biblical inerrancy, you know, uh, thesis, um, and they became, you know, much more male, with much more male hegemony in, in the church, all of a sudden they had a lobbying office in D.C. Which, which know, branch of the Lutheran church are we talking about? This, I assume this, it's Missouri Synod. Missouri Synod. Okay. Missouri Synod, yeah. Okay. Which I never considered particularly... Uh, liberal, ver you know, part of the Lutheran Church, but it, at one time actually was very adamant about separation of church okay. and state. And, one, and now they are 
180 degrees the other way. There so were always I, a friend, you know, amicus briefs on all these cases to the Supreme Court. Okay, so the, the Ten Commandments, uh, the, the, the legislation uh, requiring that the Ten Commandments be posted in every classroom right, because they believe, passed the Texas Senate. Right, because the belief is that if we just put God and religion back into the classroom, we would be able to reverse all the ails, you know, ailments of modern society. You know, the well, how, violence, how does, the... How does putting the Ten Commandments in a classroom equate with putting God back in the classroom? I mean, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, and what he saw was so horrific, he just smashed them. That's you know? correct. But so he got, the Ten he got, Commandments didn't do a very good but job. He, no, but he got a second edition, because well, yeah. he goes back up. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, well, well, first of all, you know, what are the first three commandments, Ed? Let's see if you... You remember your Catholic education? Well, let's so you remember your Jewish education. Come on. <laughs> okay. For, so yeah, the first you, one you is... Thou shalt have no the, gods before you. No, well, no, no, no false the, gods. The, well, that's the second one. The first one is there's only one God. Okay, it's well, me. The, it, it's yeah. God saying, I'm God. I'm it's it, me. dudes. I'm it, it's me. Number two yeah, is well, they were, they were there's no, I, no idolatry. They're basically the same thing. They were, they were, those those right. really could have been... A really good grammarian could have helped God conflate those two into one commandment. <laughs> right. And the third one is don't say bad things about God. Probably could have made one commandment out of all three of those. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But but three of the seven commandments are, you know, inculcating, number one, monotheistic religion, which, by the way, that, you know, there are religions in this world which don't believe in one God. Right. Like, well, you could even argue that Catholicism is not monotheistic. Well, that's true. The tr yeah, the Trinity is yeah. not truly monotheistic. Right. And, I, and again, I've, and asked all, I mean, I've asked many people to explain what the Holy Spirit does, but nobody's ever given me a good explanation. Oh, I, I know, but I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> okay. So, so first of all, it, 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 it's inculcating only monotheistic religion. Second of all, it's not the same God. It's not everybody's God. And until the arrogance of, of fundamentalists, and fundamentalists, I'm talking about arrogance among fundamentalists who are Jewish, who are Christian, who are Muslim, and all fundamentalists are the same. They're arrogant. and They've got the truth, and they want you to have it too, and they don't want to give you any leeway to consider there might be some other possibility. That's correct. I understand they think they're saving us from a, a second flood. Okay, so again, <laughs> but, ten, ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Texas, absolutely unconstitutional. So do, do, you, absolutely do you think illegal. Texas will come back this next session next year? Uh, they passed the Senate. If passed the Senate, will it pass the House? Will it become the law? Hey, you in know Texas? what they'll use? They'll use the same kind of, um, you know, sort of dodge they use with the abortion law. The state won't put the Ten Commandments in your classroom, but if you're offered the Ten Commandments by a private citizen, then maybe they'll say you have to put them up. Because they tried to do that within God We Trust in right. Texas. Yeah. So I think they'll go for that dodge. Because they'll claim it's not the state that's putting it in there. It's a private citizen who just wants to inculcate God. But, but if the private citizen makes the offer, you have to accept it. Right. So one, one Texas whack job could get the Ten Commandments placed in every single classroom in the state. If Potentially. They I mean, I, ultimately, I think it would go to court again. They would say it, it's pretty easy to see through yeah. what you're doing. All here. right. So beyond that, I uh, mean— Number two was chaplains. Who? School chaplains. School chaplains. Right. Christian chaplains. Predominantly Christian chaplains. They would be— uh, this bill was going to allow the local school board to vote on whether they would allow volunteer, potentially either unpaid or paid chaplains in lieu of hiring actual counselors. Right, because right. a chaplain can do anything a counselor can do. Well, interestingly, a counselor... <laughs> that, that's the theory, I suppose? The, the, counselor, the counselors to, to work in schools in Texas had to have two years 
of teaching, a master's degree in counseling. I mean, I, I, mean, I think chaplains are a good thing. I, I was well acquainted with the uh, chaplain at the uh, Mitchellville Prison here in Des Moines, or mm-hmm. near Des Moines, and, and you know, she was, uh, she was a great asset to that community. Well, but the problem is, is that it wasn't until the Democrats were able to force some concessions that they got that they would at least have to meet the same standards as the chaplains in, like, the military, the prisons down in Texas, because, but, but ones that they didn't think of initially was, in the initial version of the law, they didn't think that maybe they should exclude people who are on the sexual offender list as a chaplain in schools. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, what, <laughs> could, was, what, what could go wrong there? I, uh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> so right. that one actually passed, though. So what else do you think our, our governor, I mean, this is happening in Texas. Uh, I, w- I would guess that our governor might not be too far behind in terms of getting, yeah. the, you know, promoting legislation to get the Ten Commandments posted, requiring school prayer. Maybe well, that's, I think that's option. number three. I think that's the most likely. I think the most likely is going to be to try to bring prayer back. Yeah, but, but even more hideous to me is some of the voter restriction stuff that might go on, some of the uh, changes to how the Supreme Court and other dis- and district courts' uh, positions are appointed. I mean, to me, uh, I mean, the, the worst thing that could happen in Iowa, and this may not be relevant to, to many other states, but we have a decent redistricting system here. You know, folks, go to a map. Uh, go, go to... Go to the website. Go to, go to go online and look up um, a map of the congressional districts in, say, North Dakota, say, Delaware, say, Iowa. One of those is gerrymandered by Republicans, one by Democrats. Iowa has a decent, fair system. And I know, I think Republicans realize that that fair system has worked in their favor now. There's, they've got all four seats. That could change. And the, mm-hmm. best way to, the best way to assure you've got four Republican seats in Iowa in the future is to do the gerrymandering they do in other states. And I, I, I will be surprised if that's not on the list, Charles. Well, they already have all four seats without gerrymandering. Right, but they, it used, three of those seats used to be Democrats. And the, yeah. if you look at the map, I mean, Iowa's basically a square of sorts. Mm-hmm. It's basically divided in fourths. Right. It's not, there's not these little squiggly amoeba-like lines that define districts and try to exclude certain voters. It's basically very fair. Republicans just have to have, happen to have all the seats right now. Democrats had three of them not too long ago. Yeah. Well, I mean— Certainly, if you're going to read, if you were going to gerrymander Iowa, it would be a bit more difficult, you know, because you'd have to basically, you know, the cities are really the only strongholds of Democratic voters in the state at this sure. point, you know. And you know, you could, you could, I, I, all right. Well, you could, you could part, you could, you could you cut, could, you, you could cut the Moine into four. No, you could, you could have, uh, you could do that, I suppose. Yeah. But you'd also have to cut, like, there are a few other Democratic strongholds: Iowa City, Cedar Rapids. Um, that's about it anymore. That's right. Then, well, then you have, you know, Ames. They'll, they'll move area. Iowa City into an Illinois district. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you, could, you, could, you could change the districting in Iowa to make it pretty certain you're going to have four Republicans. That's true. And so I, I, I will not be surprised. To me, I think that's a higher priority to our Republican governor than any of these school prayer, Ten Commandment, school chaplain issues. They want to assure that they can keep control when the pendulum swing, swings back the other way. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I would agree with that. I, I think they'll go for both. You know, they're able to, to do the culture war and, and, and do the, you know. What else? The authoritarian program at the same time. Culture war, authoritarian programs, voting restrictions, court changes. I mean, well, right What do you now, think Kim Reynolds wants as a, in terms of a national presence? Uh, to be president someday. She'll be content to be vice president uh, in the near future. Well, if that were the case, wouldn't you think she would have been more affable toward Trump and not showed up with DeSantis? I think she has been trying to play 
the 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 role the Iowa governors tend to play with with the, with the with the caucuses. I mean, whether it's a Democrat or Republican governor, historically, the most prominent partisan leaders in the state don't take sides in yeah. in in a primary. Right. And so I think she's trying to play that role. Um, she may be showing a little bit of favoritism toward DeSantis. And interestingly, one of the most powerful Republican groups in Iowa is the family leader. Yes. Who who are, who are very much against Trump. Right. Well, you he's because he he's not doctrinaire enough on. No, he's abortion. he's not, he's not extreme enough for them. But <laughs> That's uh, right. or abortion or other things. Yeah. But um, but I, I don't. Although not, they don't really care about his personal. Yeah. But I I think I think the family leader and Governor Reynolds will come on board, uh, and again. Trump may not win Iowa. I think he probably will, but he mm-hmm. he'll, he'll, be, he'll be close in Iowa. Yeah, there but, was some but, recent but, polling saying his, his, he's losing a little bit of steam. Yeah, but you here. don't have to win Iowa to win the Republican primary. That's correct. And he's and he's and I don't see him not winning the Republican primary. And so I think Governor Reynolds is going to play her cards close, not anger him too much, try to be nice to the other candidates, mm. and then in the end position herself for a potential VP position. Well, who do you think is actually going to be Trump's VP choice? Well, I think Reynolds is a possibility. I mean, I, I think one reason she's doing all this ridiculous stuff here is to show just how strong her conservative credentials are. And I want to conservative is the wrong way. This is not conservative stuff. This is radical religious stuff. Yeah. This is extreme. This is inconsistent with the basic tenets of our democracy. And, and again, one of those core principles is that separation of church and state. And we are crossing that threshold left and right lately. I mean, she. she I, I just don't think Trump's, Trump is going to be that strategic, you know. No, but— He's um, going to go with his gut, you know. Well, his, so, gut, his gut going with Pence didn't work out very well for him, did it? Well, but he—well, it, it did. No. <laughs> I mean— he didn't, he, didn't get, he didn't get Mike Pence to do what he wanted to at the, uh, the, in, in the U.S. Congress. A true loyal Trump well, follower but he got, would he, have... He got abject fealty the entire time, except for the... Except, well, for, when, know, except for when it really well, except mattered. For, except for when they almost killed him. Right. Well, if they, would, mean, they, they wouldn't have killed him if he, hadn't certi- and if he hadn't certified the election like Trump wanted. I know. I understand that. Yeah. I mean... I, All right, well, Charles, I would like maximum entertainment value. You know, I mean, I think you know, there is some entertainment value to Trump. Very little, but... <laughs> I mean, obviously, a Marjorie Taylor Greene Trump oh. ticket would be a dream team. Okay. <laughs> well, literally. it would just show it would show how far from caring about this country we have become. See, and I don't <laughs> think I don't think Trump will go that far because Marjorie Taylor Greene's um, she's pretty. It's pretty. She clear. takes up a bit of oxygen in the room too. Yeah, and see, uh, see, I don't think Governor Reynolds is any better on policy, but uh, she's she's probably more acceptable in terms of uh, well, she certainly is. Hey Charles, thanks for joining me again. I'm really sorry about your shark pro, your shark uh, phobia. I really think you ought to get that looked at, and I want to leave you with this one last thought here. Yeah.
Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis.com. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. Ed Fallon with you here, and Kathy Burns joining me. We're talking, uh, we always talk about food this final segment of the program, and today we're looking at the uh, the the heat waves and what kind of impact those heat waves are having on global food security. Well, it's pretty drastic. Um, on Monday, July 3rd of this year, the average global temperature reached 62.62 degrees Fahrenheit, and that is the hottest day ever, according to the U.S. National Centers for Environmental Prediction. The previous record global heat was in 2016. That was 62.46 degrees. Right. So... Clearly, the trend is getting warmer. It is, and yeah. um, you know, uh, people are people are dying. And uh, in twenty or between twenty two thousand four and twenty eighteen, uh, the average number of people dying each year from heat related issues was seven hundred and two in the U.S. alone. Uh, that it, last year it was uh, seventeen hundred people right. dying in the U.S. from heat-related issues, and it's it's growing. So um, that does not include deaths that were related, however, to starvation or yeah. food insecurity and from climate-related issues. As, as farmers, that's my you know that's one of my biggest concerns is the impact that increased heat has on food production. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would never notice it. Um, there's uh, uh, European heat wave in 2018 caused multiple crop failures. They had less than 50% of their normal yield in some areas. In 2021, a heat dome along Canada's Pacific coast killed more than a billion marine yeah, animals. I remember that. Yep. And one scientist said um, about his walk along a Vancouver beach that the smell of rotting mussels as well as decaying snails, sea stars, and clams was he said, uh, quote, an overpowering visceral experience. So, I, you know, I'd like to see more input from the scientific communities, especially those involved with ocean life, is what impact global heating is having on ocean life and how that connects with 
with food production on the land, on land, because they're, 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 not, they're not disconnected. It's all, you know, Earth is all one big ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when you, when you read about, you know, the, 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 as you described it, the overpowering visceral experience mm-hmm. of, uh, of rotting mussels, decaying snails, decaying sea stars, dead clams because of the heat dome, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that, that, that isn't just affecting the Pacific Northwest. That affects us all. Well, the problem with the increased temperatures and sea temperatures is that they, they don't get time to cool down. Mm. So it sounds dumb, but the hotter it gets, the hotter it gets. Right. So um, there's no way to cool off the earth, and uh, it's it's Feedback not only loops, yeah. yeah it's not only impacting food availability but food prices. So yeah. that's a big part of the equation in food security. Yeah. Um, there are unseen effects of climate change that affect pr- food production and its availability. Um, people like what? don't well. Mm destruction of the tropical coral reefs ah, people talk yeah, about it a lot but you right, don't right. go you don't go out and see it like like you know burnt crops in a field and that's because there are there there are fish and other marine animals that need that ecosystem mm-hmm. to 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 get their start in life probably and to, and yep. to thrive yeah and um, a lot of people who live on coastal communities who thrive on or survive on um, industries based on you know, bringing food in from the sea, mm. um, those those folks are really struggling, and just just ecosystems that uh, have huge changes because of species reductions. So stresses to land vertebrates growth, uh, fertility, immunity, behaviors they're brought on by heat that's higher than those that they're used to. Mm. They're migrating north. So so you know, and, and yeah, the migrating north, and I, and I remember reading about that and even seeing mm-hmm. that a bit, uh, but the. Uh, you know, life can can adapt. People, mm-hmm. I mean, species do evolve. Raccoons have gotten very accustomed to living in the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even even deer and a lot of other wildlife do. Is there is there any sense that, that that some of some plant and animal species will be able to evolve and adapt to the warmer climates? The scientists largely are saying that climate change is outpacing species' abilities to evolve. Mm. In other words, evolution takes time. It takes generations and generations. And the challenges are too much, multiple challenges within one, two generations. So here I have been playing shark music this whole program uh, while we talk about Charles's phobia. Um, that was nice. Yeah, well, thank you. And, but, you know, and here, this is a very serious conversation mm-hmm. and a very serious concern. Is there any hope? Is there any, uh, do, do you see, uh, I know there's hope, but like maybe, uh, maybe lead us with, leave us with some sense of what we can do to, to address the problem. We like to do that. It's hard to find, find that. There are some communities, cities, even states creating green spaces like green corridors, uh, within cities, people are planting trees, trying to provide shade and capture carbon. You know, that does cool. And that's a really good point. The, 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 the yeah, carbon sequestration using trees and other natural uh, ecosystems makes a lot of sense. One problem I've heard is that there aren't enough there aren't enough nurseries to produce the tree mm. uh, the tree starts needed to accomplish the reforesting goals that are that are that are you know, sp- that are required. Oh, maybe too much deforesting going on. Well, that too. Um, yeah. Well, encouraging the local food production also. That's our big shtick. That's the big one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kathy, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, thanks to our production team of uh, Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. 
Thanks also to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, and Western Optometry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Catholic Peace Ministry, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And thanks also to the Des Moines Irish Session for our bumper music. Folks, we'll be back next week with another hour of cutting-edge talk radio.